Hello. This is Watar. This is why are we talking about rabbits? First Things Foundation. This is Greg Gilbertson's music written for our show. And then we're going to talk about usury and the old world. This is Greg Gilbertson and his band from Wisconsin. I want to talk about interest rates on Watar, old and new. In history, what you generally see, and I find this fascinating because, you know, I grew up and all I, I just remember my dad, a beautiful person, but very, you know, American, like interest rates are important always because he was going to buy a house at some point. Ah, ah, interest rates. And they seem like a part of life until you actually look at the past. And that's what we're going to do. So generally what we see in history is societies tending to wrestle with the idea of lending you money at interest. Nearly all of the leaders of pretty much every society that's ever existed, at least from the axial age onward, and really before that, they felt a little queasy about the idea of interest rates. There's something about interest rates that made them nervous. And then with the axial age religions, that's just a term used in history. It's a term I use. Hindu, Buddhism, the religions that start to form out of the mists, you know, and start to have sort of something like rhythm in culture and they have contours and you can define them. Those religions, Islam, Christianity, Hinduism, non-polytheistic pagan religions, they generally hate interest rates a lot and none hates the idea of lending at interest more than Christianity, not only in the gospel, but also in history. It's true. So there've been a couple definitions of usury in human history that I think are fair to use. Again, I'm going to, in the show notes, you'll see some stuff if you care to look at what I looked at, but this also comes from, I don't know, just years of teaching history and living overseas. So take it or leave it. I don't care. So here's one definition. Lending anything and wanting the principal back plus a little sugar. That's my very, 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 very scientific definition. So this is like greasing the wheels. That's that's definitely one way to look at history as per lending at prince lending at interest. A second kind of definition that comes up after perusing this topic for many years is lending something and expecting like way, way, way more back than you asked for or than you started with. This is like the nuclear option, especially for people who are called Christians. Don't do that um, at all. So I thought it'd be fun just to go quickly through some ancient societies and some ancient religious societies, some old world people on this show. You guys know what that is. Pre-enlightenment people, pre-light people, just to see what they did. It's some factual stuff. Who's ready for factual stuff? Ancient stuff. Here we go. Ancient Egypt, ninth century BC before Christ. Papyrus records show a man, uh, loaned five debon of silver that's cash with a promise to pay back double within one year's time, which calculates to an interest rate, annual rate of a hundred percent. 
Yeah. So a tablet that you, you can go see at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I think it's there right now. It's from 664 or so BC, records a grain loan, an eight-month eight month grain loan at 50% interest. On an annualized basis, that's like 75%. Yep. You give me 100, I give you back 175. Ouch. 40% is another number that pops up a lot in ancient Egypt for personal loans. Not a lot of low interest rates in ancient Egypt. What about, say, Hindus, pre-Christian time Hindu, Hindus? So all the lenders in the earliest Vedic texts, going all the way back 4,000 years, in the earliest texts, the mists of Hindu time, all, all of them, well, usurers were bad, and that's what they were called, usurers, like you're a user, dude. Yeah, here's an actual quote from Vedic text that uh, hypocritical ascetics, you know, leaders of the spiritual community, hypocritical ascetics and hateful hidden hearts, those are the people that practice usury. So Hinduism, you see them lighten up. By 200 AD, there's a stipulation that interest, it, it zero interest rates used to be the norm, but now they're like stipulating the interest rates that go beyond the legal rate, which was something like 2%. Those cannot be recovered. So if you, if you try to charge somebody four or 5% on a loan you gave them, then that was like, come on, man, you're kind of being a dick. That was Hinduism. I know you tune in for the hard, the hard facts. And that's what I'm giving you. All right. History of utilitarian peoples. Why did I give you that phrase? Because I think the ancient Greeks are the original utilitarian people. So what about them? What are they doing? We're going to get into this, the, the, the really important stuff, like um, the implications of this for our society, I promise. Ancient Greeks, normal loans at fair rates. That was their policy, right? Sources that I use, you can find them online. They compare ancient Greeks lending to sort of modern personal bank loans. You could find all types of rates. You found real estate loans. You found loans to cities, loans from one city to another city, loans from banks. You had endowments where wealthy men would actually loan to really important political players. Wait, this sounds very familiar. You had loans for commerce and industry. Those were the highest, most expensive loans in ancient. This is called Golden Age Greece. Okay, so we're talking like the four... 400s BC, right? And then they had these things that they called hard bargain loans, where these were like loan shark rates, as high as 100% interest, right? So the Greeks, went, that feels familiar. The golden age of Pericles, the loans were a government option for people, which all loans are, by the way. It's a government making a choice to allow people to do something. And guess what? Their choice was to allow money into the system in order to benefit. This is important to government. Okay. They sound a lot like Americans. Secular Romans inherited the same Greek loan concept. They had all the same kind of loans, the highest rates, during the Roman historical period, which includes the Republic. If you know your history, you're talking about like 
right? The Republic, which is sort of like pure, pure Roman history when everyone was nice. That's something like, well, it starts in the 700s, but really like 400 to Julius Caesar, like 43 uh, BC, right before the time of Christ. Right in that period during the Roman Republic, you saw the lowest rates. Guess when the highest rates were? When the empire kicked in. Sound familiar? As they lost sort of representational democracy or whatever they were practicing, republicanism, as the empire kicked in, the rates started to go high, and they got really sky high. But what about the philosopher types, the librarian types, the readers, the people that wanted to teach you about, I don't know, morality and reality? Well, Plato, Aristotle, the two Catos, Cicero, Seneca, Plutarch, all of them condemned usury as a concept. They all argued for low rates to no rates. Plato and Aristotle argued for no usury as a rule. Their whole concept, these two guys, you can't use the means of exchange as a means to make more money. Exchanging something is bad as a way to make money. Hear that out. That means it might not, it might be a great way to make money. It is an immoral way to make money because the exchange itself has no productive value. That's what they argue. Nothing is created. Right. To gain from zero creative productive energy is to steal. That's what they said. That was their mojo. What about the Jews? Jews of old. Right. What about Jews during the temple period and really all the way through the early Middle Ages? Well, lending was bad. As in, don't do it. They didn't like it. They were in the don't do it at all camp for the most part until they started to get integrated after the Jewish diaspora into European culture, right? They could use interest to do business with non-Jews, but even then the Torah had certain limitations on how high you could charge others to borrow your money, right? The Hebrew word for interest is neshek, literally meaning a bloody bite or a bite. And it's all about the extraction of interest from the point of view of the debtor. In other words, in the Jewish narrative, they're trying to protect those who borrow, right? Lending at high interest rates was wrong for everybody. But you could lend, especially to non-Jews outside of the temple. Before we get to the Christians, you got to hear about the Muslims. Most of you probably know, like, that's not really allowed. I heard that. You're right. They don't do it. Done. Like, not at all. Like, not cool. So you can see in the Quran that insiders, uh, sorry, well, insiders found ways to make money on big business deals. But the Quran itself considered lending an interest to be about excess and greed. It's about using your brother and his need in a time of need. Actually, it's his time of need. And the crowd's like, so don't manipulate, right? And abuse, right? And take advantage of that time. Above all else, for Muslims in the law, in the Quranic law, you're disobeying God's command when you, you, when you lend it interest. So this is 
600 years after Christ, you have Caliph Umar, right, who set clear, strict prohibitions against lending at interest. Just, I, I'm not making it up. If you go spend 31 hours on the internet, you will find what I said to be true. If you go and spend 31 hours traveling to Saudi Arabia, you will find what I said to be true. Although, as we'll see in conversations two and three in this series, <laughs> modern society has found a way to figure this out. So what about Christians? Let's keep going. Well, the East and the West, both, both Roman Catholics or whatever you want to call them, the Western Christians and the Orthodox Christians started out in the camp of don't do it at all. Old Testament decrees were resurrected and emboldened and bolstered and New Testament references by Christ and by others added fuel to the case and you weren't allowed to lend. Well, let me put it differently. Laws are going to get passed against it, but in general, it was, it was, it's like, do you really want to do child kidnapping and sell them to who knows who? It was dirty. So building on the authority of scripture, the church had by the fourth century prohibited the taking of interest by the clergy, a rule which they extended to the laity by the fifth century. In the West, under Charlemagne, by the eight, seventh and eighth centuries, they pressed even further, and this is what I like, they made it a criminal offense. If you found out, oh, wait, my neighbor, he wanted two cows back after I lent him one, jail time. Ouch. The anti-usury movement continued in the West, gained momentum even. By 1311, you got Pope Clement V. Yeah, he's made a total ban on usury. And he took all secular laws that had any reference to usury, and if they referenced it in at all, like, oh, that could be a good thing, then he made those laws void. He was zap. He was like... He was, it was like if, if a mosquito was a usurer, then the Pope's words in the early Middle Ages was like that blue light in your backyard. So the Byzantines missed, uh, by the way, an incorrect name. The Orthodox Christians of the East, also known as Romans to themselves, that's how they knew themselves, they vacillated. And like all things Orthodox, they went back and forth. They lived in the paradox. They knew they weren't supposed to do it, and then every now and then, a patriarch and or a, a an emperor would let it happen. But there were certain caveats. So I want you to think tension. There's a lot of tension. It's always like that with the Orthodox, right? God and man, right? I'm dead, but I'm alive. Emperor Justinian and his code supported the Roman tradition of lending an interest, but he declared a caveat that the Romans had done it, or let's put it this way, the not pre-Christian Romans had done it at a rate too high, at a rate displeasing to God. That rate was 12%. He said you can't lend higher than 8% with a preference that you should only lend at 4%. In fact, the only person he allowed to lend higher than 4% were bankers because he needed to use them. Why did he use them? To rebuild the empire, to reclaim the old parts of what he knew to be the Roman Empire. You're talking 500s now, after 500 years after Christ. If this is boring you, I'm sorry, but I think it's fascinating. And if you want to send me money for how fascinating it is, that would be great. So the highest banking rate in the Byzantine Empire was something like 
And for senators, it was only allowed to lend at 4%, which is fascinating. So government folks weren't allowed to capitalize on interest rates. Oh, we ought to think about that. Yeah. So this tension goes on and on. You see it in hagiography in the East. There is this story called The Miracles of the Great Martyr Artemis. (laughs) It's a great story because Artemis's parents were like really good at lending stuff. Like his dad was a chief lender. We can call him a banker if you want, but Artemis didn't call him that because Artemis was set to inherit his father's business of lending money at interest in the Byzantine Empire in the 600s. And Artemis, well, he was a pious young man and he was so ashamed of his father that he ran and decried to anyone who would listen that his father was a miserable, his father lived in a profession miserable and shameful. And he ran away and became a monk and also a saint, in part because of his position on lending at interest. That's funny, though. You got to admit, he was super woke because everybody in his family thought he was crazy. Oh, and he turned out to be a saint. John Chrysostom, you want to hear about him? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I love John Chrysostom. If you don't know who John Chrysostom is, the golden mouth, just go. Just, just go read about him or read his stuff. I'm doing a talk in Montana. I'm going to bring in some John Chrysostom. It's not, doesn't make for easy reading. And not because of the words. The words are easy. But, uh, yeah. He's going to tell you about yourself. And here's what he said about trapezites. That was his word. His cool uh, Byzantine word for money lender. Slash banker. Here's what he said about bankers slash money lenders. Right. He says, quote, trapezites attach interest to interest and then again to more interest and pursue by the way of iniquity any filthy lucre cash they can get their hands on. Unquote. Yeah. The golden mouth. Eastern Christians of lore. Here's St. Gregory of Nyssa. He wrote a whole tract, a word against usurers. I think people know this. I think even like Christians know this stuff, but I think they're like, <laughs> that's funny. But why? It's like, oh, that crazy thing where you don't murder people. <laughs> I've got more. Listen to St. Gregory. He's like, a person who needs to borrow is the same quote as a man begging for alms, only appearing to have an air of propriety. So his premise is fascinating because if a man begging for alms is like a man asking for a loan, what follows is the lender should, oh, I don't know, not only give him the money, but don't even expect the principal back. And he writes that. You should lend without demanding any back at all. St. Gregory says, quote, an interest-free loan is the second degree of charity. In other words, okay, way to go. You lent your brother some money and didn't ask for interest. Okay, way to go, buddy. 
Way to go. You hit the ball. Yay. But he says the first degree, the most beautiful form of lending is gratuitous giving with no desire for any return whatsoever. You know, like you find in Citibank or in the charter for Wells Fargo. That's funny. You're probably wondering how we get from this to credit cards showing up in your daughter's mailbox when they're 18 and don't have a job and the credit card is free to them and only at 29% interest. <laughs> They're probably like, wait a minute, what happened? Well, we're going to find out on this podcast, but first we got to finish this short conversation. We're almost to the end of this one. St. Gregory, let's just put it like this. The lender for St. Gregory was the guy who pimped out his money. For, for for Gregory, it it was like if you had money to lend, you gave it away. And if you pimped it out, you're no better than making your money, you know, like walk the night, show some leg, right? That's how these guys are thinking, these very ancient and holy Christians. So in, in a nutshell, okay, this is some old stuff. But as you saw, there were all kinds of people within the old world that lent that interest. Because we know this, one, because the historical record shows this, but also it's not hard to figure out. If these certain individuals are speaking so stringently against lending, you know what's going on. Just like I like to speak out against, I don't know, the human slave trafficking. Because it's going on. So... Nobody was off the hook, but there's a problem, right? Because Christian culture was the leader, along with all of these mono, monotheistic faiths, was the leader in these very diverse cultures. And they were leading in a way that was supposed to lift up people. So next week, when we come back, we'll continue the usury extravaganza with some deep history explaining why so many ancients feared usury? Because there's both, quote, religious arguments and non-religious arguments, secular. That's not really a good phrase to use in the old world, but there's sort of thought out rational conversations, and then there's decrees from holy books, and then there's holy tradition. And th there's an alignment often in history that happens. And my question next week is, is, why did they align? What was so bad about lending? What did they say was so bad about lending, right? What did they say about your 18-year-old getting the credit card in the mail at 29%? What? It can help her. It can move her forward. They said, yeah, no, it can't. Stop supporting pimps. Like they really said that. But not the pimp part, but kind of. So this stuff is good, man. It's free to you, too. If you'd like to pay for it, www.first-things.org. Support our guys in the field, but also support this podcast. And most of all, just listen. Guys, there's only one thing in life. It's how, how do we love our neighbor? Or do we love our God? If you do those two things, you don't need an HOA. You don't need a banking system. You don't need anything. You just go about your business. People take care of each other. Anyway, let's... Let's come back next week. There's three conversations we're going to have. This is the first. 
Let's do it on the interwebs next week. I'll meet you here. And we'll get into, like, what's the problem with interest from the old world and really new world perspective on Wata. Greg Gilbertson, play us out. Greg Gilbertson of the band, playing us out on Wata. Wata.